It's like a highway up here. It's like a highway in the Middle East, man. You got, you got to watch every, every direction that you go. Good morning to you all. Wow. That, what was that song? Uh, brother, what's the name of that song where you did the solo? I see the Lord. I see the Lord. Man, you ruined me. I was wrecked. I couldn't stop my nose from running, my eyes from crying. Wow. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, thank you, choir. And thank God, right? Thank God. Thank God. Um, I want to share with you a verse um, from Psalm 66. It's not part of the message, but um, it just, worship is so important, isn't it? And, And missions really exists, is meant to exist where worship doesn't. And so you have the blessing. You've heard this glorious gospel. But something between two and three billion people in the world have never heard the good news of Jesus. Think of it. Between two and three billion people shout praises to God, all the earth. Sing about the glory of his name. Tell the world. Tell the nations how glorious he is. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we are Mark and MJ. This is my wife, MJ, on the end. We've had a glorious time um, here this weekend. We've been, wow, have we ever been well fed? <laughs> thank you, Jim and, and Joy and all, and thank you to any that came to the seminar. Um, we do reach out to Muslims. That's our calling. That's what we do. Um, God, uh, called us through a seminar in 2006 that was about reaching out to Muslims. The God, uh, God that weekend in June of 2006 put a supernatural love in my heart for Muslim people. I can't explain it. It's never left me. But here's what's really cool. And probably more of you can relate to this. My wife, MJ, didn't get that fuzzy, you know, warm feeling toward Muslims that weekend in that seminar. But what she did from that was she determined to obey Jesus, who said, love your neighbor. And if you think Muslims are your enemy, he has another phrase for you. Love your So see, all of you are trapped. You just, you got to love Muslims. Whether it's through, through a supernatural thing that is dropped in your heart, or sheer obedience to obey the Lord and follow him. So, that's what we're trying to do is love Muslim people and help others do the same. Reach out to them. We do it a lot through traveling and doing seminars like we did uh, here yesterday. We want to help Christians to really think about Muslims like God does and love them like Jesus does. We went to the mosque uh, in Fort Collins uh, yesterday. It was wonderful. Uh, here's a picture of the group in a kind of a panorama shot. We had, Jim, you think 75 folks there. Um, we had over 100 register for the seminar itself. It was, you guys shattered records. I mean, no, we never get 100 people come to our seminar. So Faith Church, way to go. I mean, it's just, it just wonderful. We want to really tell you that Muslims can and are coming to Jesus. It's not something you're going to see on the nightly news. It's not something on a cable news channel. They're not going to tell you, but he's moving. He is moving in the Middle East. Here are a few quick stories. And these stories are all from just within the last month when we were in the Middle East. Uh, We just came back. So from Syria, 
this young man uh, lost his arm and most of his, or uh, half of his leg in an explosion in Syria during the Civil War. They've moved to another country where we have met them in the Middle East. And the father, through all of that trauma, the man that you see on the, on the lower right, he has become a follower of Jesus. Not his son yet, not yet. He has to deal with so much, but we're praying for him to know the Lord. This woman got out of Syria. Um, her husband beat her. Her husband was a terrible idolater. And God used all of that to bring her into a relationship with Jesus. The Apostle Paul told, um, said in the uh, book of Acts, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And what we find with Muslim people who come to know Jesus, usually it's because they've gone through terrible trauma. They've gone through horrible things that are unimaginable for us, but God uses it. And so this uh, couple that you see with us, uh, they're from Baghdad, Iraq, and they had two sons that you see in the wheelchairs. They were born with some kind of congenital disease. They did not live that long. And, uh, but there they are while they were yet living. They died. And God used that, that horrible tragedy in their life um, in, the, in the country where we met them uh, to know Jesus. You see her holding a book. That book is the autobiography of Johnny Erickson Tada. Johnny, or Joni as some people, but Johnny I think is how it's pronounced. Johnny has been in a wheelchair. I think most of you know she's uh, been in a wheelchair for 50 years. Uh, paralyzed from the neck down and they took her book and they they put it in Arabic and she has teams that go all over the world it's a wheelchair ministry and the sons of of this uh, couple were the beneficiaries of getting new wheelchairs and and then getting this book which the mother read and God used it to bring them into a faith in Jesus to follow him from a Muslim background there's, this is a man from Yemen. We just sat with him in his little tiny apartment, sparse apartment. They have nothing. And um, this man knew absolutely nothing of the gospel. Nothing. Think of it. Think what privilege you have. Think of where you were born. Think of what you have, the riches. But so many people out there don't. They haven't heard, but we got to share the gospel with this man. He's not ready to receive. Of course not. The average Muslim takes roughly seven years on the average from the first time they hear the gospel until they say yes to become a follower of Jesus. He's heard. This man I met in 2014 and got to share the gospel with him. He wasn't ready yet, but in the next year, he had a vision of Jesus. Jesus appeared to him. And said to him, Hassan, I am the Savior of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hassan was a Muslim. He didn't know John 14, 6. Jesus knows it, right? He quotes himself to, to Muslims in dreams and visions. And he said, Hassan, I want to introduce myself to you. Hassan went to the people that we work with when we reach out to refugees, and they prayed with him to follow Jesus. And now, now, this many years later, we just, this is a picture within the last two weeks. He told us, I'm reaching out to 50 other Muslim men about Jesus. Now, would you please pray for him? Oh, by the way, before I mention that, his dear wife, every time we would go to their apartment for years, 
Since 2014, teams would go in sharing the gospel, including us. She said, she said in this last meeting, I hated you. I hated all Christians. She had a vision too. God spoke to her heart. She became a follower of Jesus. And here we are. She's holding this New Testament, this prized possession that we just gave her in English and Arabic. We said, do you have a Bible of your own? No. Would you like one? She just lit up. And we gave this to her. Now, would you please pray for this man, Mr. H? Uh, he, had, he fell in the last week. He hit his head. And something serious has happened. And he can't talk and he can't walk. So please pray for him. We think the devil's trying to take him out because he has such a love for Jesus now as a former Muslim, and he's telling so many other Muslims about him, about the Lord Jesus. So please pray for him. Um, This couple from Baghdad, Syria, they went through so many things. You can read it there. But what's interesting is the man was reading the book that Muslims use, the Quran, it's called, and he saw in it that Jesus did healings raised people from the dead. He became interested in Jesus. Then he got a copy of the Bible in his own language because he he wanted to know more about Jesus. And he became a follower of Jesus. And so it's just wonderful what God is doing. This woman, when she left Syria with all her children, got stuck out in the desert trying to get to a neighboring country to be a refugee and find, find some kind of safety. And as she did, they were, they were stranded out in the desert for weeks. They, didn't, they couldn't bathe. They couldn't shower. The kids got lice in their hair. They ran out of food. They ate grass. I mean, when you hear things about refugees during elections, please think with compassion. Please think these are real people fleeing horrible situations. And so she came to the neighboring country. She had a vision of Jesus and now she follows him. Why does she still wear this clothing? Because she works with Muslim people every day. And because if she takes that off, then people are going to say, what's going on here? And she lives in a country where it's illegal to change your religion. But now she can still reach Muslim people. She can still talk to Muslim women. And so it's not what you wear on your face or your head. It's what's in your heart, right? Isn't that where Jesus, where God, Jesus said God looks? Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the, the heart. Amen. Okay, this is her brother. I met him in 2014. And when I met him, I sat down in his apartment, but not on something like this because they don't have furniture, just sitting on the floor. He tells his story, but he is sitting there with his kids. He has six or seven. I never can keep track of the kids. And he has two wives. He has become a follower of Jesus, and he has two wives. So what would you do if this man came into your church with his, all his children and two wives? What would you tell him? I hope you just let Jesus talk to him, because he's a lot smarter than we are. This man, one of his wives left him. The younger wife left him and took at least one of the children, and it broke his heart. But God used it along this path to deepen his faith in Jesus, this pain that he had. Well, I need to shift into the message, and it comes from Matthew chapter 9. And so I'm going to read it to you. But those are stories that we want to tell you God is moving again in the Muslim world. Would you just say this with me if you can read it? 
And Jesus went throughout the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are... Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to... Amen. Amen. That's our text for today. I have three points. They are three prayers. The first one, help us to see, Lord. Help us to see like you see. It comes from this uh, verse, Matthew nine thirty six, where Jesus saw the crowds. And so a question for you is, what do you see when you see people? I mean, just look around at the person next to you. What do you see? Don't answer. <laughs> But certainly it's a person created in the image of God, right? Certainly it's a person who's going to last forever in one of two places. When Jesus saw people, he didn't just look at them externally. He looked inside. He saw, he inspected, he discerned, he examined. That's the way that Jesus sees people in this Scottish missionary went to Africa and he said as he looked out over this area I have seen at different times the smoke of a thousand villages villages whose people are without Christ without God and without hope in the world I think what what Moffat is saying is not that he physically just sees smoke as he's up on some higher point and he sees villages no what he sees is people who don't yet know Jesus. And as Ephesians 2 says, they are without God and without hope in the world. We need to see people spiritually, not just externally, physically. We need to see people spiritually. I saw this man. His name was um, Side. His real name, this man in the lower left, his real name was Saeed, but they misspelled his name on his birth certificate when he was born of Lebanese immigrant parents um, in Dearborn, Michigan, in that area. I met him during um, this conference that was in 2006 that just changed the whole directory of our lives, trajectory of our lives. And uh, I went out door-to-door witnessing with a man that does that. Rain or shine, he goes out. And I went out with this man, and I, I saw this man. Uh, he looks very Western with his Hawaiian shirt. Uh, he was a pretty Westernized guy, but uh, Lebanese, Muslim. I saw him sitting on the... I should look that way. I saw him on the porch of his house as we walked up. But what I saw was not just a big man. What I saw was loneliness. God, the Holy Spirit gave me different eyes. And when we went inside and learned about his life, we found out why Side was lonely. His wife died of a heart attack shoveling snow in front of that house. His mother died 
in a convenience store robbery, a store that they owned, and she was murdered in that robbery. His brother died in a snowmobile accident, and his uh, grandson, his only grandchild, died of SIDS. So this man was truly lonely. The man I was with that was leading this ministry who does this, as I said, every week, shared the gospel with Side. Side didn't seem very interested, but he was polite. And uh, afterwards, I just began to make small talk with him, and I said, Side, you're a big man. Did you ever play football? Yeah, I played here at, in high school. I said, um, do you watch football? Yeah, I watched the Lions, and we kind of commiserated about that because you think it's bad for the Broncos to have one, two, three maybe losing seasons. No, when you're a Lions fan, it's generational. <laughs> and so then I said, side. Have you ever seen when somebody holds up a sign during a football game and it says John 3.16? He said, yeah, what is that? And so I just, I just shared it with him. Would you say it with me if you know it? For God so loved that he gave that whoever shall not but have. When I said that word, last word, life, he said the word you see on the screen in blue. Really? It was like the Holy Spirit came in the room. Now at that time, in 2006, we Muslims weren't much on our radar until that weekend. And, and I just started, I don't know, I just started blurting out stuff that I know now came from the Holy Spirit because it related to him as a Muslim. For example... I said, side, wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to have fear of hell, but you could know you're going to heaven? Well, I didn't know how much that Muslims generally fear hell. They can never do enough. It's a works-based religion. You never know. And, and I said, side, um, wouldn't it be amazing if you, if you went to bed tonight, but you, you died in your sleep? And you didn't have to fear when you lay down on your pillow about where you're going to be. Well, I didn't know how bad his health was. His health was horrible, but the Holy Spirit knew. And maybe he had fear not just of death in hell, death that would send him to hell, but, but a death that would be maybe impending, maybe soon. But the Holy Spirit knew. And so I don't know what else I said. And I finally just said, uh, Side, would you like to pray with us to invite Jesus in your heart? <laughs> And would you like to be forgiven of all your sin and know that you can go to heaven? And he said, who could pass up an offer like that? <laughs> and I said to myself, naively and arrogantly, this Muslim ministry stuff is easy. <laughs> Little did I know, but my wise wife, MJ, said later, that weekend God was hooking you and calling you into this ministry, and he was using side to do it as uh, and the seminar but but certainly with side yeah what do you see when you see the picture of a muslim on tv or an email or whatever somehow through the media what do you see do you just think terrorist or do you think like jesus do you see an eternal soul do you say I wonder if that man has ever heard what I've heard. 
That's the way God wants us to think, I believe. We, we just took this picture two weeks ago. I love, I love old Muslim men, but I worry for them because I know that, that, and none of us ever knows but how long we're going to live, but I know that naturally they don't have a long time. Have they heard? Have they heard? Help us to see, Lord. If you go to a restaurant today and you have a server, what do you see? That young lady, that young man, or however old they are, do you see an eternal soul? Someone that is in one of two categories. Jesus made it so clear in Luke 15. People are either lost or found. That's it. Those two. They're either on their way or, or they're on their way to a terrible place. What do you see? Help us to see, Lord. And then help us to feel, Lord. Help us to feel the way that you do. So the Bible says, Matthew wrote that Jesus had compassion on these multitudes that he looked out and saw. Well, that word compassion is a, is a deep word that means to be moved inside. Have you ever been so moved when you think about somebody that you know and love, but they're lost? Have you ever cried over a lost person? Have you ever begged God, Lord, it won't be the same in heaven if they're not there? And I know that may not make much theological sense, but it does to me here. Jesus saw people as harassed and helpless. Again, really deep words. Harassed, you can see, to be made to lose strength, weakened, exhausted, despondent, or to skin alive, as we use that phrase. This is how Jesus views lost people. He says the devil is skinning them alive. And so he has compassion on them, and he sees them as helpless to do anything about it in and of themselves. It means to be thrown down to the ground, to have a mortal wound. And, and this is what the devil wants to do to, to all of us and to people around us. And so help us to feel, Lord, the way you do. Um, a man from Mexico drew this, painted this, and it's an image that he saw as it relates to a vision that General William Booth had. You heard of General William Booth and his wife Catherine, founders of the Salvation Army. His motto was, go for sinners and go for the worst. But he had this vision of this angry ocean and the storm and lightning and thunder and, and people on a platform and they're just going about daily life. Maybe nothing wrong, maybe nothing bad, but just daily normal life, going to school, going to work, marrying or not, just working out at the gym. But all around them in the water, people were drowning, crying out, some of them shrieking. And he said that what really bothered him was that the people on the platform didn't seem to have any care that is, any agonizing care for the people in the water who were drowning right before their very eyes. 
And he went on to say, even though every one of those people on that platform had once been in that water themselves, they were drowning. And so can you see all the symbolism? This is, this is people on the platform who have come to know Jesus, but many of them, maybe even most of them, have forgotten what it was like before they knew Jesus, before he reached down through someone else and rescued them. There were a few people on the platform, though, that heard the shrieking of the lost and were doing anything they could, even to the loss of their own life, to help people onto the platform. I met this young man from Iraq. He came from a Muslim background. He became a follower of Jesus. I said, man, tell me your story. He said, well, I had a friend who was also, grew up as a Muslim, but he became a follower of Jesus, and he would tell me about Jesus. He said, I heard him, but I just didn't, I didn't want it. I didn't think I needed it. I said, well, what made the difference? He said, the day he told me the same thing he always told me, but this day he did it with tears. Yeah. I love this drawing of Jesus. This is uh, the Jesus who weeps over the lost. This is the Jesus who wept over Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. Yeah, everyone was happy, except the Pharisees who said, stop it. And Jesus, who was weeping over Jerusalem, and who, in another text, it says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you like a hen with chicks, but you would not. This is the heart of Jesus. So help us to see, Lord, like you do. Help us to see people like you do, not just from the outside, but with discernment and with heart and with compassion. Help us to feel, Lord. Jesus, help us to feel like you do and you did about people who don't yet know you. Then our last point, kick us out. And the questions to ponder, what are you willing to do and where are you willing to go so that somebody who doesn't yet know our Savior might hear and might receive him. In Matthew, um, we have this statement that almost all of us would be familiar with, this prayer that, this instruction, I mean, that Jesus gives to his disciples this is one of the things I want you to pray. It isn't just the Lord's Prayer. This was another prayer. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into the harvest field. But what's interesting is this word send out, I think the translation is so weak. It's a strong word. Again, all these words are strong in this text. It means to force out, to expel. It, it even has inherent within it almost a violence. It's ek and balo. Ek means out, balo means throw. And so <laughs> we are to pray <laughs> that God would kick some people out of the church, throw some people out. See, that's my job this morning. I want to see some of you kicked out. <laughs> you know what we mean, don't you? We don't want you to leave the church. That's not that at all. But what we do want, what we do pray for, for us and for you, is that God would send us out, that we wouldn't just be here within the four walls where it's generally comfortable. 
Why would Jesus have his disciples pray such a strong prayer? Because we like, we love comfort and security and safety. But those aren't kingdom values. Those are maybe worldly values, at best American values, maybe. And God says to Jesus, I mean, can you imagine as they're putting together this plan of redemption, can you imagine Jesus saying to his father, but if I go there, will it be safe? Will it be comfortable? Are you going to protect me? Listen, if you want to go to lost people, those can't be your primary questions. Your primary thing just has to be, here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. Well, I need to end. Our dear friend, Mr. J, after four years from Iraq, a Muslim, after loving him, serving him, reaching out to him, finally said John 3.16 as it hit him. The word world. Mark, he said, can you believe it? God loves the world. I'm thinking, yeah, that's what it says. And I did know that. No, he said, the word world. He said, that means, he said, I, I thought that God only loves from your book. I thought you believed that God only loves Christians and Jews. And this means that he loves me, an Arab, a Muslim. It just, wow. And so he's, I just shared with him and he said, I believe. And then he went back to Iraq um, one month after this picture and he died. But before he died, he called me from Iraq from, from a hospital and, uh, and the, what, what do you think his first words were? John three sixteen. Yeah, it was great. I went to Iraq. I visited his family. I shared the gospel. I, I told his grieving sisters, I gave your brother a book. We know. Give us that book. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> and they said, you have family now in Iraq. It's just amazing. And his widow, is she there yet with Jesus? No, but she's getting closer. God has brought Muslim people, we believe, to us. And he's done it so that we could reach out to them. Paul tells us that God's the one that's determined the times and boundaries of, of where people live, and he did it so they'd seek him and find him. If you see a, a Muslim woman, if you go to the Walmart that's between here and Fort Collins, and you see a woman in her headscarf, what's the first question you ask in your mind? Is, it, is she here to take over? Or is it, Lord, does she know you yet? And how can she know you? This is the change that God wants to make in our hearts. Are we going to be like Jonah or are we going to be like Jesus? My mom is now 94. She lives across the border in western Kansas where I was raised. She still mows her grass, gets out on that lawnmower. She, but you know what? She loves Muslims too. And I want to just play something for you as we end. This is my mom. Watch this and listen to her little story. Hi, my name is Mark, and I am with my mother, Donna. She's 93 years young, and we have a story to tell you about my mother, a perfume bottle, and a young Muslim woman. So, Mom, why don't you just look there at the camera and tell your story? Okay. 
I went to the mall with my daughter and her husband, and they wanted to walk, and I didn't. So I thought, well, I'll just watch the people and pray for them as they go back and forth. And immediately I saw a young mother, a little Muslim mother, with her three or four children. And I thought, well, she was getting ready to leave and cleaning up. And I thought, I'll just go over and talk to her. And so I did, and she was just real friendly and real sweet and, and uh, didn't uh, have a bit of language barrier. And so her son uh, helped us out. And uh, so I said, oh, I didn't bring my purse. I like to give a little gift away uh, to children. And, but shucks, I didn't bring my purse. So we talked a little bit, and then she began to uh, look in her purse, and she said, do you like perfume? And I said, yes, I do, I like perfume. And she said, well, my husband gave me this perfume for my anniversary, and I'd like to give it to you. <laughs> Wasn't that sweet? Yeah. And definitely. I said, no, honey, I can't take that. Your husband gave that to you. No, she wanted to give it to me. And so I accepted. And then I said, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. So I just uh, told her how much God loved her and her family and told her about uh, Told her Jesus loved her. Wanted to be her savior. And so she let me pray very sweetly, and that was the end of the story. That's all I saw her, but now when I see my perfume bottle, that reminds me to pray for her and her family. That is so great, Mom. So I want to just share with Christians just a couple of things as you heard Mom tell her story. Uh, Number one, please don't be afraid of Muslims. They are generally warm, warm. yeah, kind, friendly. hospitable, friendly if people. They're glad to have you. Yes. 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 And and sadly, they're used to being marginalized and and kind of rejected in our culture. So when you take the initiative, it it touches their heart. So that's the first thing I want to share is don't be afraid. Second, take the initiative, reach out with just friendliness and kindness. And I think the third thing I want to share is offer to pray. Offer to pray and and ask them, is there anything I can pray for you about? Uh, We've been reaching out to Muslims for over 10 years. And in all that time, we've only had one Muslim person ever say to us, I don't want you to pray. Just one? Just one. Wow. They really love that you want to pray for them. So don't be afraid. Everybody wants to be loved. Yes. Take the initiative show love, and ask if there's anything that you can pray for them about. So, Mom, thanks so much. That was excellent. I loved and it. very proud of you. And you will be an example to people who are watching this of a Christian who reached out and loved a Muslim. Yes, thank you. God bless you. God bless you all. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you.
<laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's mom. Mary Jane shot that out at our, at our farm in, in western Kansas. So um, kick us out, Lord. Send us out, Lord. Help us to see as you see people. Help us to feel, Jesus, what you feel and felt as you looked out at people. And then kick us out, Lord. Don't let us be so comfortable in our faith that we don't, that we don't see a lost world. And I wanted to play this video of my mom because here she is. She's not young, but she sees. She feels. And she's let God kick her out. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the awesome privilege that Mary Jane and I have had of being with these dear people this week. What a wonderful church that you love so much and you're using. We pray for them during this time, God, that it would just be a time of seeking you even more than ever. We pray for the future of this church, Lord, that you would give them your direction and your calling, but let them never forget they were once in that water. Use somebody to reach them. Kick us out, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.